This is the Lattice Training Podcast, where we bring you the best in climbing performance and training from the world's elite athletes, thought leaders, and coaches. Okay, uh, so I'll start by welcoming uh, Tom Merrick to the podcast. And some of you might know Tom better by the, the name of the Bodyweight Warrior. Um, I know Tom mostly through his YouTube channel. Uh, it's pretty successful. Last time I checked, you're on 765k subscribers, so pretty big and growing. Um, you are mainly a, a coach and movement athlete, and I think we're just chatting. You're special. You specialize in in hand balancing, calisthenics, and flexibility training. Um, I think I want to start off with asking a little bit about how long you've been in this industry or, or in this practice and what has changed in your understanding about flexibility and strength of training over that time cool yeah i mean i've uh yeah exactly i, I specialize in um the sort of hands handstands has been like a progressive thing because when you say to somebody like what do you do for a job and i'm like i, I teach handstands they're like um sorry uh but yeah so the handstands like it's, it's been a special thing but it started off with the the calisthenics side of things uh, and I think I've been doing it kind of for the best part of a decade now, not quite, but, but almost. Um, and it, it really consisted of a mix of stuff, as as we chatted about just before this podcast. I did a lot of climbing as well for, for three to four years. Um, that was actually kind of what led into learning some of the strength training initially. Like I wanted to get stronger at climbing, so I needed to get you know strong. Doing just the climbing is is not enough. Um, but really, like ultimately, the reason I ended up learning these disciplines is because I had something that I wanted to achieve. So m- most of the time, it was like the the calisthenics movements, the front lever. I'm sure many climbers are, are familiar with, like planche, handstand, and then you know the requirements for that was that I needed to be more flexible than not being able to just not quite touch my toes. You know, I needed to have some splits or be able to do that. And, and so, so all of the training things that I've ended up doing ends up being like. Uh, ultimately to, to support the, the goal rather than the pursuit of them just by themselves yeah would you say that now you're mainly driven to to achieve like the skills within calisthenics itself rather than training calisthenics for a different purpose um yeah i'd say to be honest with you like the past three years for me have been like mostly about handstands which um i think it's maybe to an outsider that sounds quite niche but like handstands is is it's uh quite a it's a, for me anyway i think it's a, it's a practice by itself um and, and a lot of people would do it, it, it's one of those ones that you can go infinitely deep with it um yeah especially when you get to like one arm handstand stuff and, and the requirement of flexibility and all those sort of things but i mean actually my focus at the moment is is, is teaching and 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 coaching and helping people uh like i'm i'm at the point where i'm like i'm happy with what i've been able to do with my training um if if I stop now, I'd, I'd be satisfied. Like obviously, I'm not going to stop because I enjoy doing it. But um, yeah, for me, I like I enjoy helping people achieve, recognize what what they're capable of doing as well. Uh, what type of well, athletes or or people do you work with? Is there a range of athletes? Or are people training it for calisthenics and, and hand balancing flexibility? For, is that the main purpose of their training? I would say that uh, the people who I work with ultimately is like a massive range. Like it's from people who just like you, you average people who work at a desk and just want to be able to touch their toes or squat or play with their kids. Um, to people kind of do it as a hobby, um, get into it. I do work with a few climbers as well. Um, 
And yeah, then like people who just want to do the, the weird stuff, like going deep down into one arm handstand, or they want to do splits or or the more extreme side of things. Like, it's really really anyone and everyone who's, who's, who's passionate about it. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, is there any like, I wanted to ask, is there any commonalities you see? Because we work with like a broad range of climbers, but obviously we're still within the niche of climbers. Mm -hmm. Are there any commonalities between this big range of clients that you have where you work similar things or at least you go down the same methods of them yeah i would say i would say like pretty much everyone that i get to do some strength training just because it's such a it's such a, a simple thing to implement that has so many benefits to life in general um being strong is is a good predictor of how well you're going to age and uh, i just think that you know it requires pretty minimal investment for the benefits that you get out of it, whether it's if you want to do a sport um, or as I said, just day-to-day -day general life, you know, improving bone density and those sort of things. So I, I pretty much always have somebody do strength training. And if it's for flexibility, then maybe we have like a strength training with range of motion as a focus. And this could be like simple weightlifting, like uh, a squat, a remaining deadlift. You know, doing those are going to build... The, the, the strength through like nice broad ranges of movement, general full body sort of strength, but it's also going to develop range of motion in ways that is relevant just to just to day to day life or whatever it is that the, the long term goal is. So strength training is always uh, a must. Um, and then for, for, for your average person, for most people, I try to get people to be able to do palms to floor in a pike position. So forward fold, bending over, trying to touch your toes, but just being able to get palms to floor flat. I think that's a very accessible pretty simple way and then that kind of helps you covered in terms of hamstring flexibility um i think being able to sit in a squat is pretty useful uh, and again relatively straightforward for for most people and then uh being able to do a wall angel or or basically raising your arms overhead would be the last one so that's just like do you have adequate shoulder flexibility can you can you hang can you uh can you lift the arms overhead because ultimately we don't spend much time uh, in that position in day-to-day -day life really um unless we're you know doing climbing or doing something that demands it yeah yeah well it sounds like you've got your strength as your foundation and i was gonna i'll ask a little bit about what what your go-to exercises are for that but also as well as strength being a foundation you do have um some like minimum requirements you think just general public should meet in terms of being able to stretch your toes sitting in a squat and that wall angel um i think that probably well, I think it definitely applies to the climbing population. If if you are a rock climber, you're trying to improve, like hitting these minimum requirements. But that's interesting because uh, as a flexibility coach, I actually see a lot of people, a lot of climbers, which can't touch their toes from the get-go, but are already climbing at quite a high level. Mm -hmm. So I think that's probably like low-hanging fruit for these individuals. That's something that they they should absolutely focus on in their training, but maybe I mean, have neglected for a long time. Yeah, and it's such a simple addition. Um, I was actually thinking about this last night on an unrelated note, just like the kind of, you see a lot in in the, the fitness industry in general is like um, people making really, really big claims about seemingly insignificant things like, oh, uh, on a supplement point of view, like taking magnesium to improve your sleep or whatever. And like maybe on the individual level, that thing doesn't have a big impact. But when you combine lots of these things together, uh, then you get you know a, a significant effect and and the same could be said for the flexibility like i'm sure a lot of these people who are climbing at a very high level um you know maybe it doesn't seem that it's going to have a big impact on their climbing just 
you know being a Sagittarius will do these very small things but actually like they may come to a problem or a crux of a movement that might require that range of motion or require that that small thing that is to be honest with you going to require very very minimal amounts of work to actually achieve these little things that you can add in that are going to culminate to quite a big effect on your performance um as a sort of a, as a macro effect just by doing these like small little changes yeah actually so let's let's go on to what i think is quite interesting um and it's something i've spoken about um and i you're probably in agreement with me that you've set these uh benchmarks or these minimum requirements and i think these sit quite nicely as goal setting for a lot of these athletes like if you can't achieve these it's a so it's it the application of testing and goal setting which we do so well when it comes to strength training like how much can you bench now what do you want to bench you have your either either end of the road right and now you can path your journey but Mm -hmm. but i think when it comes to flexibility training you know squat touching your toes whatever it is when i hear a lot of people saying i need to get more flexible it pretty much stops at that i need to get more flexible and then you don't even know what you want to achieve so how do you go forward with that do you have any go-to other like forms of assessment or do you think just sticking with the basics is the best way to go yeah that's that's a great um a great point weightlifting so simple so cut and clear and to some degree as well climbing is as well like you have levels of climbing right um and even with uh, you know just with, with gradings whatever whatever grading you use that the um and then also when you have uh, a lot of the the training equipment like i know obviously you guys have certain levels that you have with the latter system and then um if you have fingerboards or if you have uh, i can't remember what they're called the ones where you have like the rungs like the flat rungs in the climbing gym yeah, the campus board campus board yeah yeah sorry uh newbie here uh <laughs> so yeah there's there's like these kind of ways that levels are kind of seemingly built in but with flexibility maybe not so much or it's just a bit ambiguous um i think generally like you have five patterns and again this is something i learned off emmett lewis this is not my original idea but it's just uh patterns of training for flexibility so number one would be the pike so the forward fold bending forward trying to touch your toes you would then have front split uh so or, or or straight split so front leg out in front of you back leg behind you um you'd then have pancake which would be with the legs in a straddle position so opened up folding forward trying to make the body uh on the floor so flat as a pancake uh side split middle split again that would just be standing legs go out to the side and then finally bridge and yeah, so bridge. Bridge would just be like kind of general upper body flexibility. So we're looking at like spinal extension or spinal flexibility as well as like the ability to get the arms overhead. Um, and, and, and to be honest with you, like if you were to cover, if you were to focus on those five aspects, you're going to be covered for pretty much anything you need flexibility wise. Yeah, yeah I, yeah, I totally agree. I think when you talk about all of those five positions, um, it's like complete freedom of flexibility across every joint in the body pretty much. Um, yeah it's kind of all encompassing and the really nice thing about that is you can i believe train for those positions or those skills mm-hmm. and in doing so you are there for tracking your progress you're assessing your current like level and also um, you can set goals off of that so your depth in any of those positions or your range of motion and yeah, you yeah. don't need to train just with those five movements but at least like that sets a really nice boundary i think for climbers just where they're, they're you know maybe strong or weak in some positions yeah so climbers would usually like right you go to okay wh- how many chin-ups can you do or how what weight can you do with chin-up it's, it's, it's kind of giving you like we can work on different flexibility components but we come back to these patterns as a way of assessing progress and our range of motion 
and I think as well, like it kind of um, points to the importance of not being too sport specific with the training. Um, obviously, we want to consider the context of like how we're going to develop flexibility to help climbing. Um, but, you know, we don't need our, our training that supports the sport to be so sport specific. I think a lot of people, especially in the strength training world, get really into these like absurd, not absurd, but very niche sport specific sort of drills. And it's like, okay, maybe we only really need to just get focus on getting stronger with some basics like chin-ups, dips, squat. And that has like a massive general carryover to then our sport specific training, which would be doing the sport itself. So again, like with the flexibility stuff, it's like, okay, let's develop the range of motion that you might require for, for climbing. Most of it's probably going to come down to the ability to open the hips up. So, so straddle pancake, those sort of things are going to be quite useful to you. Um, let's focus on training them by themselves. And then maybe let's take a look and, and look more specifically at climbing uh, and the skill of climbing itself and then how that flexibility fits into it. We don't need to like be too sport specific. We need to just develop the range and then like, figure out the actual technique of climbing separately yeah yeah i think that's that's a really important point that people can get i think too hung up on trying to keep things really specific um and we see this a lot with uh with clients that want to overanalyze the specificity of everything and we, we kind of come to that term like paralysis by analysis is um you spend so long trying to make things specific uh, and changing intensities and time under tension and volume and stuff that um you should have just been working on the basics. There's usually still gains to be made in that. Yeah, um, absolutely. And and you actually probably, if anything, you miss out by being too specific. Yeah. Because because yeah. you make progress in a very in a very well, specific way, uh, and it doesn't have the same carryover as these like more compound sort of uh, uh, broader free gain goals. Yeah. So on, on that point, and moving on, that's kind of one mistake I think people can make when it comes to to just training in general is going a little bit over the top in specificity um, when the basics often take us quite far. Um, but with with flexibility training and, and we can say strength training as well, um, what are the common mistakes you see being made either with your clients or just from observing from the outside? Uh, people don't train certainly so strength training, but flexibility training with enough intensity. Okay. Uh, most people just like Oh, I'm going to do strength training, uh, flexibility training. So I'm going to sit in a stretch and just like, you know, breathe for 30 seconds. Like, yeah, it works. And, 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 you know, for those who are, have a phenotype for, for developing flexibility easily, will make good progress. But for, for the majority of the population, like you're going to get better results if you train, uh, flexibility with a little bit more intensity. And this is where like the, the lines of flexibility and strength training really do cross over a lot. Um, and what you might say is flexibility training could be strength training and, and vice versa. Um, you know, ultimately developing flexibility should encompass lots of different types of flexibility. Um, you know, we've got sort of static or static passive flexibility. So that'd be the, just, you know, the ability to get into a position and hold it, demonstrate your, your range, your static active, like your ability to hold a position. So, so for example, like lifting your leg up in front of you, you know, that's an example of static active flexibility of the hamstring but it's also to do with the strength of the hip flexor You've got dynamic flexibility um and and again like you know you could say that a squat is a form of dynamic flexibility but equally like you know a leg kick or something a little bit more um a little bit faster as well so there's, there's lots of different ways that we can we can train flexibility 
Um, but I think most people will get more benefit from doing it with like a a strength training bias. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Could you give us an example of um, training strength and flexibility at the same time? Like just let's take a hamstring, for example. Everyone can picture like a hamstring stretch, um, like folding forwards, touching their toes, or, or, you know, sat on the floor and reaching out towards their toes. Can you give us an example of what strength training would be like? Yeah, so I mean, we said earlier, like a Romanian deadlift, like a really simple example. Um, a more specific, like flexibility bias thing would be something like a Jefferson curl. So a Jefferson curl is like where you stand up and then um, imagine like the worst form possible of of a of a deadlift, like rounded <laughs> back and everything like that. That's what you want because we want that like full lengthening of that posterior chain. So sort of you start from the standing position, you tuck the head and you, and you curl down through the spine, reaching the hands ideally past the toes and as deep as you can into that pike stretch holding a weight and then kind of reverse that motion up it's strengthening uh, through a range of motion so yeah Romanian deadlifts Jefferson curls all of that sort of stuff is great but then on the other side of things you have like okay what's the the expression of the closing side of the joint so so we talked about with that uh, standing leg hold leg lift example that's an example of demonstrating active range of motion through the hamstring but also the strength of the hip flexor so we have uh, Romanian deadlift, which is strengthening hamstring through range. But then we also have something like a hanging leg raise. If we do it with straight legs, that's expressing our ability to lift through that range of hamstring flexibility. If you were to look at somebody in the top position of a hanging leg raise, toes to bar, and then you look at them in pike position, they're, they're expressing the same position. It's just under a different vector of gravity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, that I like the, the point that. The, the blurred line between strength training and, and flexibility training. I think where a lot of people will see a strength training exercise, mean you might see a, a flexibility exercise. Um, yeah, as, long it, as, as long as the exercise allows you to take your your range of motion to your end range, and then you're probably taking it there slowly and holding, yeah. and then moving back out of it, any exercise can pretty much become a flexibility exercise. As long as we're careful with the loading. I think what one thing I, I'd say around the like Romanian deadlift is, if you're viewing it as a strength exercise, you can load it up really heavy and you're very likely to, your body is going to limit that range of motion. Um, but if you just drop the load a bit and you focus more on like a really deep range of motion, it's a bit like squatting as well, I suppose, then you can take any exercise and kind of form it into a flexibility exercise. Absolutely. Ultimately, strength gets less as we get towards the end of the range of motion. Yeah, so um, we need we need less weight basically. To, yeah, to, yeah, yeah. Which is also why if we train the end of the range of motion and get stronger there, we get quite dramatic increases in range because you know we get that little gain of, of either side of that position. Yeah. Uh, and do you think this is? I mean, in my mind, I think this is one of the most sport specific ways to train flexibility. So, I've, would you say there's a difference between um, like active flexibility? and passive flexibility for for different people depending on their training history so um ultimately there is a huge crossover between all of them which is why um really <laughs> it kind of depends on like uh for the individual there'll be like what you could say i guess a key to developing your flexibility like some people who have maybe spent a lot of time passively stretching or and, and maybe not seeing progress they might see a lot of benefit just from incorporating some strengthening of the the active range because it's something they've not experienced but they have a lot of passive flexibility that they could use they might see quite quick progress there 
Uh, and again, like somebody who's just done only active stuff like strength training for developing flexibility might actually get a lot of benefit out of just like sitting in a stretch for two to five minutes because they haven't really like, because that's that, that in itself, that ability to tolerate a position for a long period of time is, is, is different to like just, you know, people who say like, oh, okay, let's use split squats to develop hip flexor flexibility. Split squat is like a lunge. Like yeah. actually, you know, if we do a set, maybe if, if we're pausing for two or three seconds, which is quite a long pause in the bottom of a lunge, like we're only going to maybe get 20 to 30 seconds in a stretch during a set. Whereas like if we sit in a stretch for three minutes, it's, it's vastly different sort of stimulus that we're giving ourselves. Um, but in the context of climbing, then yeah, like it probably, it makes sense to, to do more active than it does passive sort of stretching. But I think both will be, will be beneficial. Yeah, cool. I mean, I, I think um, maybe it's a loaded question because I, I wanted to yeah. say, like, the, the answer is that, like, both has its place. There's no there's no um, right or wrong way to train flexibility. But I think... I mean, if you're looking at it down that purely sports-specific lens, it's like active makes the most sense to spend the time working on. But then, as I said, like, developing passive flexibility will make your active flexibility better because there's less resistance from the muscle being stretched that you're trying to lift. So I was saying to you earlier, like, I think it's very easy to fit stretching into a climbing practice or flexibility training into a climbing practice. And it's, and it's actually much the same as handstand training. So if you look at any high level circus athlete or hand balancer for that matter, um, what they'll do is they'll do their sport. They'll do their thing. Maybe they're doing the sets on the handstand canes. And when they come down and they rest, they sit in a stretch really, really simple way of adding a new flexibility training, which ultimately is not going to add any more time to your practice. So if you're climbing at a wall, you're doing a problem, maybe that problem has an element in which you're having to do this like lateral movement and lift the leg up to the side or move across like a, a, a large gap. Cool. You try and do your, try and solve the problem. You try to do the move, come down. Like when you're relaxing, you're, you're sat, you know, waiting to do the next attempt. Just sit in a pancake, sit in a stretch, um, you know, stretch out the glutes with like a 90-90 or something. There's, there's lots of different ways in which we can incorporate really basic flexibility into just like your average normal climbing session. Yeah, and these would be your more passive methods of training. Exactly. Yeah. But then we also are kind of getting that element of actively trying to hold the stretch at the same time. We, you know, we're sitting in a stretch, opening up a range of motion, we're then using the range of motion on the wall in a way that's relevant to the sport. Yeah, and it's almost the most, <laughs> most sport-specific way to gain flexibility as while you're climbing. Yeah, yeah, this is why I try to advocate for every client I work with that they are doing some form of flexibility training in their warm-up as well because – as soon as they get on the wall and they're like you say if they do that lateral movement to lift the leg up they have to contract their hip flexor and the less resistance that hamstring is applying to that movement the more range of motion they're going to gain and moving into that deeper range of motion they're strengthening that new range and so they're they're, they're gaining that active flexibility while on the wall and i think that's also seen in flexible climbers which perhaps don't do any flexibility i know some climbers which maybe had a background in dance or gymnastics and they don't really train flexibility anymore, but they have maintained pretty much all of that flexibility by just climbing because they are displaying it on the wall consciously and actively trying to, you know, use as much range of motion as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately, like if it, if it lets you get into a, an easier position to, to, to solve the, the route, then it's going to be massively helpful. Yeah. Um, so I was going to ask like around the, the strength training. So we talked about, um, Romanian deadlifts, squats, and things that are going to train range of motion. If you're doing this in a in a session itself, like a flexibility training session, how many exercises per joint or movement do you typically use? I know we spoke about keeping it simple, 
are you talking about one to two exercises per skill or range ratio or, or more like five to six yeah so this is um i mean i personally would go for the side of simplicity i'd like okay what's the what exercises are going to give us the the largest effect for the the uh, the, the smallest investment i guess um i i would generally sit on the minimum effective dose rather than the, the maximum tolerable volume and that's like a personal preference but also i just think it generally works better with most people who are, you know just in day-to-day life like most of us aren't professional athletes like although i do this as a job i still spend most of my time working like most people like i, I sit at a desk i, I, I do not work like I, I don't have infinite recovery capacity so ultimately if you can give people a little bit less especially if they're doing sports outside of that they're probably going to make better progress. So I would say, like, let's keep it simple. Let's be specific, because we have the the that training principle, the said principle that governs all of our, uh, our progress. Specific adaptation to impose demand. If we chuck six exercises in, we might make two percent progress in all of them. Or if we do two exercises, we might make five percent progress in all of them. As a you know, just picking numbers, just like to some extent, the less we do, the more progress we'll make. Um, and I think you'd be it depends on the limitation but you'd be better off like okay somebody wants to develop um flexibility for climbing okay it's like okay let's do some three to five sets of jefferson curls and let's do like three to five sets of some side split hold or something um and then that would be like done one to two times a week rather than doing like one to two sets of lots of different exercises you're going to make much better progress in positions that give you a vast amount of carryover rather than positions which have very specific gains which don't add up to as much yeah so this and this is one to two times a week is definitely the type of training we would call strength training or strength flexibility training yeah exactly exactly and 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 some people can get away with more uh again like if you like uh, most of the because it kind of again we're looking at literature that's like or if you look at the literature on strength training it's like um there's actually not much difference whether people train more frequently in a week or less frequently in a week, as long as volumes equated. So if you are the sort of person who likes to train flexibility more often, or they want, they want to train more often, you just need to adjust how much you're doing. You can do once or twice a week and do more like strength training, like three to five sets. Or if you want to do it like four times a week, then maybe let's do, do two sets each time. Uh, but yeah, I, I I generally see, especially when we're working on like side split or, or or positions that are quite intense, most people get better progress working on it less frequently. Yeah. Okay. And while we're on the the frequency thing, I think that's what makes this form of flexibility training so desirable. Is one, it's quite measurable because we're working with sets and reps, so you can you yeah. can track it, you can follow it. Um, it feels like strength training, which I think is actually really nice for people which really enjoy training. Um, it's it's kind of less boring, is, is what I've heard a lot of people say. Um, for people top- who who don't like to stretch, it can be so much better because the mindset's just a little bit different. It's like the intensity different, training it hard for a short duration, and then you get like a nice break from it rather than like having to sit in a stretch for like three to five minutes is, you know, you, you got to enjoy that aspect of things. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So I was going to say that that's also really desirable for anyone that's like short on time. It's quite busy. Um, and we work with a lot of 
climbers and athletes that you know have that full-time job they have a family they have lots of commitments um and they're at work but they also have a high affinity to training they want to do it a lot is there one or two things that you recommend to people that are busy that they can do on a daily basis or something they can do at work or in the office to to like maintain or improve their flexibility yeah i so i think the stretching in between things that you're doing in the gym is probably like the, it should i don't know i don't know how people like to climb and stuff because i haven't climbed for a long time but if that was me like that i don't actually really do much flexibility training anymore the only flexible like like dedicated flexibility training uh, the only flexibility training is i do is relevant to the thing that i'm doing so if i'm doing handstands i'll sit in a straddle during the and that's enough for me to just maintain where i'm at without any extra work so i think like if you're looking at not adding any more time onto the the work that you're already doing that's probably the simplest method it's very easy i know people like to hang out at climbing gym like you can sit in a stretch and chat at the same time whilst resting <laughs> for a route like that's 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 fine um so i would say that's probably like for me the go-to you can be a little bit more intent it doesn't need to be super relaxed as well when you're doing that you can do some of the more active the loaded stuff in, in that rest period as well it's because it's like ultimately climbing's a pretty upper body slash core intense sport um you, you can do lower body flexibility in a loaded way that's not going to impact on uh your your climbing during that session um other than that like daily sort of stuff i think you know trying to spend time in positions um i know people like to sort of mix up how they sit i think sitting at like a coffee table with a with a computer you can sit in numerous different stretches uh, uh sort of for, whilst still working quite easily um you know you can sit in straddle you can sit kneeling you can sit in what would be like a, a diamond and 90 there's a few different ways that you can do that but I, i'm not a massive fan of like the I, I i almost feel like it's fitness overkill like I, sitting's sitting's not the best but it's not that bad standing's not the best but it's also not that bad like just you know you need to move in the day as well um you don't need to overthink it too much so, so i think it's, it's trying to sit in positions for time daily um but yeah really in the session that's probably going to be the easiest and then outside of that like if you can dedicate 15 to 20 minutes on some really compound stuff some focus stuff twice a week once a week you're probably going to see some good improvements it, it doesn't need to be much just at the end of your session if you can kind of squeeze that in it'll work it'll work really well what do you mean by compound stuff like so like like what we chatted about like the jefferson curls like three to five sets yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah if that's all you did at the end of your session once a week like you're going to see good gains in hamstring flexibility it is kind of that simple to some degree what's your opinion on on daily stretching having like a, a little go-to routine i know you've got actually some really successful follow-alongs it like views going into the millions um people love the the follow-along passive like more relaxed style stretching where the intensity is quite low but therefore our frequency can be daily with that kind of stuff right yeah i think that's nice as well i think again like there's a there's a mindset element to like i like to feel like i'm i'm working on my goals every day so i think people like to like check in 20 minutes it's, it's not too much and you said it's like it's relaxed it's chilled um, and also you don't have to think about it like just you know put on a video or uh, listen to something and you follow along you do it and it's done um yeah. so i think i think that i i personally like the grease in the groove on a daily basis and hard flexibility training so once or twice a week and i think that is a a good simple formula that will work well for pretty much pretty much everyone 
So I, I like the term uh, greasing the groove, and and I do this with my clients as well. This is how I um, phrase the, the daily flexibility as the greasing the groove. Could you like explain a little bit what we mean by greasing the groove when we say this? Yeah, it's, it's like flexibility, like like anything, is you use it or lose it. Um, it's this this it's the specific adaptation imposed demands. Like a lot of the times when when people don't see progress is because the the demands are either general or that's not really demanding like if you stretch your hamstrings once a week and then the rest of your time you don't ever use that range of motion you're not really giving your body a a, a compelling reason to change and adapt uh, so so if we can if we can like almost give our body a little bit of a prompt each day and be like hey remember we need to use our hamstring flexibility or we like it doesn't need to be much it could just be like in the morning uh, i really like ostrich walks it's, a, it's an edo portal sort of thing you can youtube that but it's essentially like this sort of like springing a long sort of motion on the hamstrings um elephant walks i didn't know there's so many animal walks now i think about it uh, elephant walk is a is a kit lachlan one it's like a hamstring flexibility lower back one it's again it's like a really nice relaxed you can spend 30 40 seconds a minute doing that sort of going back and forth in a pike position you twist one side you straighten one leg you bend one leg twist the other side and it's like a really nice broad stretch and it's just it's just enough to kind of remind your body that this is an important range for me to be using. Um, but again, not so much that you're going to cause damage or require recovery. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's really good. That's kind of the important part of this daily flexibility stuff is like you said, it's reminding the body that I need to access this range of motion every day, or at least, you know, very frequently. So like, don't lose it, keep going. And then you make those, those proper gains and strength and flexibility in your your shorter once twice a week sessions yeah and, um, and and don't feel bad if it one day it feels bad and another day it feels good like that, that's that's perfectly normal um in the same way as some days you wake up and you're a little bit more tired than other days especially if you had a hard climbing session or there's other things in life that impact on that, that ability um flexibility is certainly not like a nice linear section much like any training progress you have ups and downs what really matters is consistency um and just spending time yeah, yeah. So I have this image in my head now of like being at a climbing wall and everyone's sat on the floor in a straddle and yeah, everyone's walking, doing animal walks between boulder problems. <laughs> um, <laughs> that'd be good. I hope that's I hope that's the future of the climbing wall. Um, got, I, I got um, another question and then and then we'll, we won't go too much longer so I can let you go. Um, I wanted to ask a little bit of like about injury risk within flexibility. So when we when we move towards the idea of strength training um with flexibility it, i think it does open up a little bit more injury risk because there is with any form of strength training either if that's through high volume of training load like an overuse thing or it's more of a um pushing too far what are the main risk factors in your mind with when it comes to flexibility training so i agree with the sentiment but i would actually argue that um strength training is the the least likely to cause injury so, yeah. so um, when it comes to, to the literature sort of surrounding injury prevention, the biggest factor is like, are you weak? If you're weak, there's going to be issues. Um, I really love Adam Meekins. I think he's a great person to follow. Um, and he's got a little phrase that's like, you can't go wrong with getting strong. And it really is the case. Like if you have any injury and you go to a physio, obviously there's, there's a detail to physio, but essentially the return to sport will be like, okay, how can we build up tolerance in this injured area how can we build up more strength, more capacity to do work? Um, and, and, and obviously, the stronger you are, the more you're able to then resist 
the the external things that might cause injury. Um, so there isn't actually a whole lot of evidence that like stretching or or increased flexibility reduces injury risk. Um, and I think, uh, but but what would be a case of increased injury risk is like if you're doing something that demands flexibility when you don't have it. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree, because if we talk about it as, as strength training as well, I think there is plenty of literature to, to show the evidence of increasing, uh, like you said, tolerance, but also increasing strength is very protective. And if yeah. we're talking about increasing strength through the range of motion, and then you go to your sport, which requires an extreme range of motion, if you're the individual which has strength in that range versus the individual that doesn't, like, I, I think you can make the argument that you're less yeah, likely yeah. to yeah. And you just need to look at like a lot of random sports out there and you actually end up looking at like what positions that people get themselves into and and it's like usually quite extreme range of motion that you wouldn't even realize uh, and i'm sure the same is the case with climbing as well i think it's just usually for, for from my experience climbing i had elbow issues climbing it was brought on by climbing um like most injuries i've had has been overuse and that's going to be the most common form of injury I would have thought with anyone doing a specific sport, obviously you might have trauma injuries, which would be like related to falling or hitting yourself or, or something like that. But, but overuse injuries is like, okay, you've exceeded your ability to recover from the work that you're doing. Um, so just like consider that when you're doing flexibility training, it's like if you're doing climbing, then there's probably a lot of work that's going on around the upper body. Maybe your upper body needs less, but maybe your lower body can, can tolerate more just like, that's why I always stick with the minimum effective dose. If, I, if I'm ever coaching somebody, um, the most important thing is that the person is making progress. So that's what you should be looking at. Like that's why we come back to those main, those, those big things. Like maybe just come back every month, every six weeks and see like, okay, has this position got better than it was six weeks ago? If it hasn't, the first protocol would be to reduce the amount of work that we're doing. Everyone's like first intention is like, okay, let's do more. I'm not seeing the progress I want. I'm going to do more. And they keep adding more and more and more to it. And that's usually where we have issues rather than thinking like, okay, how about we do a little bit less, but we do it higher quality and higher intensity or like focus. And then if that doesn't work then on a little bit less, then okay, maybe we'll consider doing more. Or maybe we'll consider what it is we're actually doing because obviously like you know, we're doing the right thing. But most of the time, if you're doing something, you will see progress at that thing you're doing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Really good. Um, I was going to mention, I think there's, for me, there's one risk factor, which I've noticed when it comes to, to training. And I think this is, I think this is true for every form of training, but I've noticed it in flexibility with myself is that ego, I think is the one thing which is the biggest risk factor when it comes to pushing extreme ranges of motion. Now I've done this in the pancake and I think this goes hand in hand with a, a skill or like a technique I've learned from Emmett Lewis as well. And I think he calls it tasking. Um, and essentially this is like a form of external cueing where you you place an object to, to push along the floor or to reach towards. And it's so powerful at, at increasing a range of motion. So yep. you know, try to reach this and you can have a person like, you know, offer you a, an object to reach towards. Yeah, yeah. Your body's so good at just going a little bit extra further. And I know I've definitely like just tweaked a, a hamstring by like just pushing a little bit further into mm -hmm. it. Um, Do you know what the pancake is? That is by far. I, I've I've tweaked my high uh, hamstring on both sides actually doing pancake. It's like by far overwhelmingly the most common thing is is that medial hamstring. 
yeah yeah is that the course we tell them pancake and ego is is uh yeah. I think, like you said there's the risk with any form of training is actually generally really low and the whole point of training is reducing that injury risk anyway so that's what's i think that's what people don't understand about strength training it's like that that's what strength training is there for sports to reduce injury risk of the sport like if you look at any uh injury occurrence in sports weightlifting is by far the lowest by far the lowest and that and the, the purpose of weightlifting in sports as like an external thing is to reduce injury risk um but yeah as you as you mentioned i think i think that is huge but then um the task space can be good but i think i kind of mentioned earlier like don't worry if things are different day to day um yeah. and that's like a big one to as you said it's an ego related thing but it's a big one to get around it's like just respecting where you are on the day there's definitely days where you're going to feel tight and there's days where you're going to feel good um and it's like just understanding on the days you feel tight like doing the work is important like use the range of motion sit in it but like if you, if you don't feel that you can do the level that you did last week that don't worry about it too much just just do what you can do on that session make the most of it make every session a good session um and then yeah rest up recover and and, and if you if you notice that you're actually getting tighter when you're doing flexibility training like that's a real good sign that you're doing too much or you need to back off yeah. um because because a lot of good flexibility training is 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 really as you mentioned with this task-based stuff is, is is you're proposing a problem to your body that's essentially what you're doing you're saying like that's why task-based is so effective is because when we're just doing a stretch like sometimes the the focus the intent is not particularly there it's like okay, i'm gonna stand i'm gonna try and let my legs go to the side to do a middle split like there's not really any uh, focus there you're kind of just like generally trying to be in a position whereas if you propose problem to your body if you're like i need to be able to touch my legs to this object your body's going to try and figure out a way to make that happen which is which is why the, the task base is, is so good and it's the same way as like you know if you're trying to reach for a hold like even if it's just out of reach usually if like you focus on it enough you can you can just about reach i know the 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 one that emmett uses is the tv remote on the sofa if you're like yeah. sat on the sofa and you're trying to reach the tv remote you can always just about reach it um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your body's amazing at, at finding ways to yeah, achieve yeah. a movement pattern as long as you've got that that object to reach or that task to achieve. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So and, and so yeah, it, it you know, just respect where you're on the day. And then also if you're making really, really good progress really, really quickly, sometimes it's it's good to to slow that down a bit. Sometimes you can get a little bit ahead of yourself. So actually, like oftentimes if I have somebody who's who's uh really good at responding to flexibility training, because there are people out there who that comes naturally to the same way strength training comes naturally to like oftentimes we actually have to like rather than just making the most progress as quickly as possible it's like we have to like kind of slow them down a little bit and ease them into it because when you make large gains in range of motion all of a sudden your body isn't necessarily sure how to navigate that 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 new range that you've acquired yeah it's interesting you say that because we we see the same thing um on a different scale we're like just in climbing performance in general um we're kind of like this is the curse of your best session ever yeah, and we, yeah. we see this with clients that are having like they're having the best week or they have had an amazing month and they're they're sending all their projects they're climbing really well and like they feel unstoppable and this is the point at which they you, you have to imagine because they're climbing much harder than before they're sending their projects their training load their chronic work rest <laughs> training load yeah, yeah. has gone up massively but they still feel amazing so they're just doing this and then we see it time and time again that at the end of this like amazing period, it just always hampered or cut short by injury. Yeah, like, it makes sense what you're saying about actually when you see the times are going really well, just have a little think to yourself. Maybe I should pull back, just consolidate this this like good time 
it's so it's so hard to do that when you're in that like i'm making progress i just want to keep pushing i want to keep pushing and it's just it's just human nature i think as well especially with climbing it's like the connective tissue side of things is huge um and it really does apply the same with with strength like with um with flexibility training like muscles can get stronger quickly but tendons connective tissue that takes a lot longer about eight eight times longer um so i think a lot of people when they come into climbing they get strong quickly but especially like around the pulleys and the fingers and stuff that doesn't catch up anywhere near as quickly as the rate of development of their muscles so that's i know that's a common one for injuries is like the little tweaks here and there a little bit of tendonitis and it's the same thing with flexibility training as well yeah yeah um okay right i've got one one last question and i think i, I need to ask this for the listeners of this podcast because climbers are generally fairly obsessed with one arm pull-ups and front <laughs> so these are these in my mind are like they're calisthenic skills right or, or like yeah. body skills and you are the bodyweight warrior so what is uh what's your your like have you done any go-to methods for training lever lifts or one arm pull-up is there any like tricks you know that you can share with the climbing community um so with one arm chin up i think the tendency is that people try to train it too often again like it just comes down to connect issue um a method that i really like for one arm chin up is is well a method i say a method i i I generally wouldn't train one arm chin up more than once a week um certainly intensely um and if you wanted to train pulling strength more than once a week then i would do like a one arm chin up session combined with like a, a heavy weighted pull up session in a step on a separate day yeah yeah so um i wouldn't i wouldn't do more than one one arm. That, that's in terms of like again injury mitigation and all those sort of things yeah okay. um i think climbers as well are, you know we're doing pulling exercises on the wall you know three four times a week yeah on top of that as well Cl- climbers I, I, so like the once a week and then also just yeah understand that you probably don't need as much volume as you think you need for the one arm chin up especially like if you're already doing pulling exercises that's your sport the amount you need on top of that probably isn't isn't too much yeah um in terms of the one arm show i think the hammer curl is a particularly useful one so training uh, when you do climbing arguably you're probably going to spend more time actually in a pronated position uh, but then also assuming i think i think a neutral grip um is, is quite a nice one because that brings in sort of the brachialis brachialis and then a lot of the other structures in the arm that are going to be good for conditioning around the elbow hopefully to help with the chip. so yeah neutral grip pulling yeah. hammer curls or and, and training less frequently for the one arm chin up um and then finally like building time and negatives but then understanding again how impactful negatives are so i think like literally if you did three to four sets of like one to two reps of a seven to ten second negative with one arm chin, that, that's like more than enough volume considering everything else most climbers are doing yeah yeah, so, yeah yeah minimum effective dose with one arm chin up definitely just for you know the best way to make no progress is to get injured yes yeah that's, that's a good one <laughs> um and then in terms of front lever um front lever is really just like about getting time in an extended body position and and that's usually the hardest jump uh i would waste less time on holds i don't think holds are particularly useful for the front lever so so if if we're holding in front lever for just for time sets i think also most people get more benefit from doing reps so front lever pulls again i think this is something that probably a lot of climbers are familiar with so i apologize if if i'm uh, over explaining that but yeah doing doing dynamic efforts as opposed to uh, static efforts the reason that's useful is because we include an eccentric portion so a lowering phase in a dynamic movement which means 
generally we're a bit stronger so we can try and overload that movement so uh, if you're doing a front lever for example doing a, a movement that you're easier in lifting up type front lever for example and then trying to extend the legs out and do something harder on the way down that means we can make all aspects of that movement challenging which is ultimately a better way of making progress um try to think if there's anything else in terms of front lever that i think is particularly useful i mean i think that was really helpful that's yeah that's really good yeah there's definitely i'd say some people do like the idea of doing the longer isometrics i think um i don't know climbers quite like isometrics anyways as it is um but it's interesting to hear your thoughts on um sticking to the the reps going into concentric eccentric motion but perhaps increasing reps rather than than time and the tension in the actual lever position itself yeah i just i mean just consider of isometrics that you generally get a strength gain 15 degrees either side of the joint angle being trained yeah. so the the gain in strength is small as opposed to if you do a front lever pull from fully passive hang all the way up to the top then back down like you gain strength through the full range of motion of the shoulder joint um and 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 when you train uh, a front lever static hold you're training the front lever in the hardest position that it is to hold so there's you know you're leaving uh, a lot of training effect on the table because the ranges of motion outside of that you could be doing something harder than the position you're holding just for time yeah 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 cool right thanks tom i think i'm gonna leave it there and let you get on um yeah thank you for joining us today it was really interesting to hear your thoughts on flexibility and, the, and calisthenics as well um i will leave a link to your instagram and your youtube channel in the show notes um and maybe we'll have you back on in the future maybe we'll get you to come up to uh to sheffield and do a bit of climbing with us at some point that'd be amazing i haven't climbed in a long time so i'm sure it'd be a humbling experience perfect cool okay yeah thanks again tom and uh talk to you soon thank you